Welcome to another edition of Straight Up Utes. With the way the Utes have been playing recently, it makes these pods a lot of fun. What a game against Arizona State. I talked to quite a few Ute fans and uh, they said that they were really, really considering turning off the game at halftime. The Utes were down 21-7. to It was looking like the old Utes where the offense just couldn't get anything going. And then something happened in the locker room. I'm not sure what was said. I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in that locker room. But something happened because they came out in the second half and they looked like a completely different team. They were aggressive at the line of scrimmage. They decided, you know what, we're going to bully these guys. They couldn't seem to get any kind of running game going in that first half. And then something changed. They came out in the second half. They had the running game going. The offensive line looked fantastic, creating great holes. And uh, Tavion Thomas was doing a great job getting right through those holes. TJ Pledger, once again, came up with a huge run to kind of seal the game when they were up 28-21. He just did a fantastic job closing things out. So that combination of Tavion Thomas and TJ Pledger was great to see. As expected, the tight ends did a fantastic job. Arizona State not very good against defending tight ends, and it showed in this game. Dalton Kincaid had a great game. Brant Keithy had a great game. Even Cole Fotheringham was getting in there doing doing some great things. So things went about as expected, but it took a while for the Utes to get going. Just a huge win. This was this was the game that would decide the future of this Pac-12 race. Now the Utes are in the driver's seat. Now they hold that tiebreaker against Arizona State, so it allows the Utes to be able to lose one game against a Pac-12 opponent, which when you look at a bunch of their games ahead, the Utes are favored in most of the games, or should be favored in most of the games, but they're all going to be tight games. Um, They should have pretty easy wins over Arizona and Colorado, but their contests against Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Stanford, these are going to be some tough games. They're going to be games that probably will have a spread of less than seven. So even in this game upcoming against Oregon State, it's only a three-point spread for the Utes. So it's going to be tough. Um, But so much to like about this game. I love that the Utes just took over. Um, And then the way they closed out the game, Devin Lloyd, wow. Wow. He was really showing Jaden Daniels that he doesn't want to come back to play at Rice Eccles Stadium ever again. To ha- to finish the game with three straight sacks really put a statement out there that the Utes are here and here to stay. They're the true Sack Lake City. Um, I can't say enough about this offensive line. The O-line protected Cam Rising very well, created great holes. Arizona State came into this game with 21 sacks. And against the Utes, they didn't get any. The offensive line protected Cam Rising such that he was not sacked once. Again, that's a part of Cam Rising's gameplay. He does a great job of escaping pressure. Um, but zero sacks against a team that already has 21, that really says something. So really like what we're seeing from the Utes. Three straight Pac-12 wins. Um, In their last three games, so their last three Pac-12 games, the Utes have averaged 33.7 points a game, um, and their defense has only uh, allowed 20 points a game. So they are really coming along. It's starting to come together. 
Something that's still a bit of a concern is that first half, the, the first half issues, the Utes, the Utes are only averaging 11.6 points per first half, and they're giving up 12 per first half. So first halves are not starting out well. Of course, in the second half, it's a 22-8 to eight average score, and that's why they're 3-0. and But they got to find a way to be that team that comes out in the second half. they got to find a way to bring that in the first half and, and start out the games well. Let's talk a little bit about Cam Rising. So Cam Rising, since he's been the starter, official starter, his 3-0 as a starter, he's only taken three sacks so far. So like I said, he's great at, at, at escaping pressure, um, very elusive. He's got a 65% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Those two interceptions were so close in the last game. Um, both kind of tipped off of the, the hands of the receivers. He can he can do a little bit of everything. He's great at finding the guy downfield. He can he's not afraid to throw the deep ball. He's not afraid to go for big plays. Um, he can run the ball really well. So far, 22 carries on the year for 164 yards, 7.5 yards per carry. So he's choosing the right times to run the ball. He's picking up important first downs. Something else to look at in this in this last game against Arizona State: four touchdowns, no field goals. Uh, in that second half, um, five total touchdowns, of course. He finishes drives. He Cam Rising helps this team when they get in the red zone. They punch it in, and they're not having the problems, the red zone problems that they've had the last couple of years. And I think a large part of that is due to Cam Rising. So ESPN has a QBR rating, and it's a stat that's uh, what it means is the adjusted total QB rating. It values a quarterback on all play types. Uh, it's it's got a zero to one hundred scale, so it, it looks at a lot of different things. It's uh, passes, rushes, turnovers, penalties. It's it's an ESPN stat to try to show the quarterback's complete effect on the game. And right now, Cam Rising is number two in the country in this stat with an eighty-eight point eight QBR. Um, he's only behind C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. So if you look at some of these other, um, you know, where where have other notable people finished? Well, right now, Cam Rising is number 25 all-time in QBR. And he's only been playing for three games. <laughs> he's, 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 he's got a long ways to go. He's only a sophomore. Who was number 26 right behind him in, in uh, all-time QBR? None other than the team down south's Zach Wilson. And if you look at the top 25, there's a lot of NFL names there. Number 24, so just ahead of Cam Rising, Marcus Mariota, who had a very good career at Oregon. The number one all-time QBR is Mac Jones, who's now playing for New England. Number two, Kyler Murray, who's having a very successful uh, career right now at Arizona. And number three, Joe Burrow. So... This is a good list of names to be a part of, and for him to be number two right now in the country uh, in QBR says a lot, especially for a guy that has only started, I guess if you can count the one last year, four games. Um, so much to like about Cam Rising, so much about the, this future. He was the Offensive Player of the Week in the Pac-12 for the second straight week. He is uh, he's special. The Utes are really lucky to have such a special player in him. And 
it's going to be a lot of good years ahead. If he stays healthy, if he takes care of himself, this team rallies around Cam Rising, and they love to play with him. He's a great leader, and it shows. And the team is having fun out there, and they're just rattling off wins now. So Oregon State, this is a good team. It's a good rushing team. They're not very balanced, um, which makes them an interesting opponent for the Utes. Right now, Oregon State is number two in the Pac-12 in total yards per game. They're number one in points per game with 34 points per game. That's the top in all of the Pac-12. And they do it with rushing. They're number one in the conference with 242 yards rushing per game. They also do a great job stopping the rush. They're number two in the Pac-12 in rush defense, only allowing just about 105 yards a game. And they're number six in allowing just 23 points a game. So they live and die by their running game. Passing is terrible. Uh, they're number 11 in the conference in passing. They uh, don't do a great job stopping the pass. They're number 11 in, uh, in pass defense, allowing about 276 yards passing game. Uh, passing per game so not very balanced like I said if you look at last year's game the Utes handled them quite well the Utes were up 30 to 10 um, early in the fourth quarter Oregon State uh, made it interesting and, and put up a couple more touchdowns so the game finished at 30 to 24 last year in favor of the Utes in that game Nolan threw 38 passes he was 20 for 38 for 202 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He only was able to run it for about 36 yards. B.J. Baylor, who's the big-time running back this year for them, only had 19 yards rushing last year, but he wasn't the key component of their offense. They've, they've really turned things around the way they play it. Um, this year, in Pac-12 play, the Beavers haven't been quite as good as their total stats reflect. They've averaged 32 points a game, but they've they've allowed 27 points a game. But like I said, they're very heavy on the rushing. They average uh, 49 carries a game to only 20 passes. So almost a 3-to-1 ratio of, of rushes to passes. Um, they have averaged 291 yards rushing in those three Pac-12 games this year, but only 140 yards passing. Nolan has four touchdowns and five interceptions in Pac-12 play. So that's something that the Utes should be able to take advantage of. But what they're really going to have to watch out for is the two running backs, B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fenwick. So B.J. Baylor this year is the first time that he's really been the focus of the offense. He's got 99 carries for 678 yards and 9 touchdowns. Something that really impressed me when I was looking into B.J. Baylor is he has never fumbled the ball in his entire career. So zero career fumbles. And uh, he's averaging 138 yards a game in Pac-12 play. So he hasn't slowed down at all in, in the Pac-12 games. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry. So this guy's really dangerous. Um, he's not a receiver. He's only got just a few catches on the entire season. But he's a big playmaker. Um, in the three Pac-12 games, he's got, fi he's got runs of 50, 27, and 40 yards um, as, as his top runs in each of those games. So he's, he's making a big play in every single game so far. And Deshaun Fenwick, he's he's no slouch. Um, he's getting about half the carries as B.J. Baylor. He's got 50 carries for 318 yards and three touchdowns. That's still averaging 83 yards a game, 6.6 .6 yards per carry. So right there with B.J. Baylor, 6.8. Um, really dangerous. These guys, uh, so far, 
they, they've played the the same two of the same teams as the Utes. Um, Oregon State has played Washington State, USC, and Washington, and uh, the Utes uh, played two of those games as well with USC and and Washington State. So similar opponents. None of them have been able to figure out how to stop B.J. Baylor uh, or really Deshaun Fenwick. So that's going to be the Utes' challenge. They are typically good at stopping the run, but these are some special players, and it's almost like facing Air Force. It's it's going to be a run-heavy team. They're going to try to just beat you at the line of scrimmage. Fortunately, that's, that's where the Utes have been picking it up lately, and uh, also fortunately the Oregon State defense hasn't fared quite as well against the pass especially and uh, overall they just haven't done quite as well it's been close games for them except the USC game um, and they just lost two weeks ago so that's another thing is Oregon State has had a bye week they've had an extra week to prepare for the Utes that makes me a little bit nervous I did look at Jonathan Smith's record after bye weeks and he's just one and two so it hasn't really proven that the bye weeks help Jonathan Smith led teams so that could be a good thing, but I don't like the fact that Oregon State has had this extra time to prepare for the Utes. I'm looking at this and thinking the Utes will probably try to pass a lot on Oregon State. The nice thing about the Utes is their balance. The Utes are number five in rush defense, um, allowing 133 yards per game. So if they can find a way to slow down that 242 that Oregon State averages get it closer to 150, 160, and uh, the Utes are, are also balanced in the pass. They're just allowing 215 yards a, a game in Pac-12 play. This is big for the Utes. I do think the Utes are still going to be okay in this game. Uh, my straight-up Utes prediction is Utah 34, Oregon State 20. I think Oregon State's going to be able to run the ball well, but their defense just isn't good enough. Cam Rising, I think, will be able to pick them apart. He'll continue to use tight ends. Last year, Keithy had eight, eight catches for 76 yards against Oregon State. Covey also was good in that game. He had four catches for 54 yards. So the Beavers have not done a great job stopping the pass. I think the Utes are going to be able to take advantage of that. Utah will also be able to run the ball, I think, quite well against Oregon State. In Oregon State's close win to Washington, they gave, they allowed Washington to run all over them. I, I think the Utes will be able to continue to do that. They've got to find that same second half energy. But if they do that, the Utes should win this game 34-20 to is my straight-up Utes prediction. Should be a great game. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what the Utes, if they can keep this going. This should be one of their tougher games, like I said. It'll be interesting to see what happens with UCLA against Oregon. UCLA, uh, the next opponent for the Utes after Oregon State. And if they can beat UCLA as well after an Oregon State win, their chances of winning that Pac-12 South are looking really good. So thanks again for listening. Can't wait for the game. Really, uh, I really appreciate the support of all my listeners. This has been a lot of fun to do. Um, let's see how the Utes can do stopping B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fenwick. Should be a great game. Let's go Utes.